0: Hi there, so this is Michelle Pierre with Espresso Unicorn for Season 2 of Black Voices. Thank you so much for joining us today, and as we do all the time, we have phenomenal guests. Today is no different. We have Dr. Tiffany Worthy, Doc, if you could wave at us, that'd be great. Hello. <laughs> Um, but before we jump into that, I want to give you a little background, just in case it's it's been a while since you've heard any of the podcasts from Expresso Unicorn. So, Expresso Unicorn is a lifestyle apparel brand, birthed from our human interconnectedness and anchored in the understanding that we're all uniquely different but still united by our humanity, despite our ignorance in seeing this truth at times. And so we we realize with what's been going on in our community here in the US, but also across the globe, that we are in a a time of reckoning, uh, racial reckoning, but also in a time of hopefully healing from past hurts and pain, so uh, that's a little bit about Expresso Unicorn, and we'll talk a, a bit about it later on. But I want to get to our wonderful guest, Dr. Tiffany Worthy, and I'll give give you just a few tidbits about her. But I really will leave it up to her to kind of tell us who she is. So. Dr. Worthy is the founder and CEO of ATAP Foundation. ATAP stands for All Things Are Possible Foundation. And she'll give us a little bit more here in a a few minutes. But she's also the former mayor of the Willingboro Township in New Jersey. So Dr. Worthy, thank you for being with us. And if you could give us a little bit more about your background.
1: Sure, Uh, thank you, Michelle and Expresso Unicorn for the opportunity to connect today. Um, A little bit about me, I was raised in Washington, D.C. and um, knew from a young age that I really enjoyed helping others and I loved um, teaching my little doll babies and being able to do things to be able to make the place, make our world different and better. I really enjoyed that. And um, over time, I learned that, you know, serving was something that I enjoyed doing just as a child growing up and the opportunity came along for me to go to uh, West Point for my undergraduate experience and coming out of West Point, um, I was able to commission as an officer where I served. I led America's sons and daughters, um, had the opportunity to go to uh, Baghdad, deployed in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Um, I also was a commander in a 2nd Infantry Division, and in all those roles, it was all about leading and serving uh, people. And so when I decided to leave the military and went into private sector, I did some human resources work, some organizational design, organizational development work in different organizations, and saw that what I really enjoy doing is optimizing organization's uh, performance, their productivity, helping people to build, build their intelligence, build their capacity, um, and along the way continuing to lead and serve. And so that theme has been throughout my life and led me to opportunities to do what I do today, lead and serve in uh, all things a Possible Foundation, a nonprofit that I founded to empower the youth and to enhance the community. And so it is so wonderful to be able to do that as well as serve as an elected official. Currently I'm the councilwoman, uh, a councilwoman in Willingboro Township and truly working at the intersection of passion and purpose. And that's who I am and that's what I do.
0: All right. that that's power packed but what I want to pull apart there um, a bit you talked about uh, you went to West Point and so uh, from a young lady being in DC right surrounded by black excellence and you decided to go to first off a predominantly white institution as well as (laughs) a military academy. So you got to give us a little bit more about that. Like, why was that your decision in the end? You
1: know, I think that it was all about just influence around me. Um, Yes, I was in Washington, DC, but I lived down the street from Walter Reed Army Medical Center. And I would go to Walter Reed often with my grandfather with his doctor's appointments and seeing the soldiers there, it was, I think, more interesting and fascinating um, just to see and and to think about what's what. Um, And then um, when I was in junior high school, my pastor's son was a cadet at West Point and he invited my family to go to West Point for a homecoming game. It was then I recognized that a homecoming at Howard University, uh, which was home (laughs) for us, (laughs) was very different from a homecoming at West Point. So I did learn that. Um, but I went up to the academy, I met different cadets, I explored the post and I felt so at peace and at home. and I felt like, I want to do this. This is something I want to do. And the stories about, you know um, history the history that is made, uh, out of West Point is made by the people who either taught there, who attended there. Like I was so captivated by the potential and I saw how West Point could help me to accomplish my goal which was truly to be able to go out and to make things better and to, to serve. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: good. That's good. You know, so again, talking about you as a young girl, Right, making this decision to to go to West Point, and what I think is phenomenal about that is now you, as Dr. Worthy, uh, and you reflect on that decision, and all I can think about are the influences that you had in your life, even influences that you didn't realize were influencing you, mm-hmm. right? And so I. I I feel that a lot of times young people, right? But then also even older people, if you weren't brought up in that space of uh, having a real reflective lifestyle, that you don't understand how external influences are actually shaping you, shaping that perspective, you know? And so I just think it's beautiful to, to hear you talk about the space that you were in, but how kind of these little seeds right were dropped throughout your life where it made a major impact to the decision that you made to serve your country and then also to go to this institution and and so i'd like you to kind of pull that apart because i also feel like that's connected to what you're doing with atap
1: yes it, it is and i think the power of reflection is often uh, understated and i think that the evil forces around us know the power of reflection Mm -hmm. when you reflect and you're able to connect you're able to make i believe more informed decisions about what you're going to do and how you're going to live your life but if we continue to have all these distractions in whatever form they may come it really separates you from the time to be able to set aside to do some meaningful interaction i mean meaningful reflection and introspection um so for me that reflection was was very pivotal for me to be able to um, make a series of decisions that um, ultimately impacted the trajectory of my life. And because of that, I recognize how important it is to have these different influences, to have those seeds planted, um, to be able to water those seeds and cultivate these beautiful gardens, which to me, that's our youth. Those are our young people who need these seeds planted. And through the work at ATAP, we're able to bring in different people, engineers, uh, army officers in uniform. We're able to have people who are out in the world doing some of the things that the students never even imagined they'd be able to do. We had commercial pilots come in, in uniform, um, and the people who come in look like the students who were there. And so they're able to see people from their community come visit them in their safe space at ATAP and talk to them about the unlimited possibilities that they need to go out there and discover and explore as they are becoming.
0: No, that, that's, that's amazing that you're, you're doing that. You're doing that for young people. And I know this is gonna sound cliche, but you know the children are our future you know, as we think about where our world is going, where America is going. Um, but even deeper than that is going back to being in that space of, of influences, right? And, and not, if we don't take an active role in ensuring that those influences are what we want, to have in our kids' lives to shape them into that uh, responsible adult, right? Uh, right? To shape them into uh, what we believe is needed for our future to to carry on. But you you know it, we were we were talking before about being in survival mode too versus reflection being able to do that reflection and so i kind of want to pull on that string from um from a previous conversation that we we've had so if you can kind of help us understand what what's the benefit of reflection versus being in this space of survival that we often find um black communities brown communities um suffering from
1: yeah, so, you know, survival mode is what I call that routine of wake up, go to work, come home, go to bed. And you get into this routine, this pattern um, where you're not really considering anything else because you are just want to get the bag. You have bills to pay. You have things to do. You may have child care situations. Um, there are things that are going on in life where you're not considering anything beyond what's in your immediate control or influence. And... Um, some of the danger with that is we miss the opportunities to reflect, to connect with others. We miss the opportunity to really share our gifts and our talents with other people. Um, even young people who may be aspiring to be on that same uh, hamster wheel of wake up, you know, go to work, come home. We're We're not even able to see ourselves and what we look like and how we're living our life and we have young people watching what we're doing and how we are interacting with the world and reflection allows us the opportunity to really connect the dots between you know who we are who we were uh, what our families have accomplished what those who've come before us have been able to overcome that power of reflection is is Critical in the communities in order for us to be able to have an aspirational trajectory of things that we can go out and go do. And so that survival mode to me is the threat of, uh, it's, it's a big threat because there's so much more out there for us and we need to make sure that we're pouring into the young people to help them to see what the future can be. Yeah, so
0: so here's a question and, and I'm sure some people are sitting back, you know, thinking about this. Um, as, we, as we're talking about, kind of this reflective state and not being in survival mode, that's easier said than done, depending on the situation that you're in, right? So, so essentially what we're doing is asking people to elevate themselves, elevate their mindset, right? So that they can see themselves in a different space and then begin to walk into that space. But there's a lot of people in, in some very hard situation, dire situations, how do we reach them right Right. and help them understand that reflection is also in their reach and change is in their reach as well
1: yes well i have to say i haven't always been in a in a state of mind where i have considered reflection to be something important or introspection you know for a long a long time um i saw myself in that survival mode even though it wasn't because of funds it wasn't because uh, of limited access it was just what I saw, I was just used to uh, that routine. The routine is what I knew because the routine is what I saw. Um, and so I think that for for people who find themselves in situations where they have immediate needs and they their needs aren't met, and maybe the, they're fighting the biggest fight of their life right now, I'm not saying abandon the responsibilities and abandon priorities. I'm saying consider, is there another way to think about how we're approaching work, how we're approaching solving problems, how we're talking to one another, how we are responding to our children's curiosities. It doesn't mean that um, it's either just out frolicking or survival mode, right? right. I do believe that there it's is um, <laughs> there is a safe, healthy, authentic in between, although right. frolicking sounds like fun. But the point is, I believe that we can find um, a, a space in there that is healthy and allows us to consider another another perspective, um, yes, to go to work, yes, come home, yes, pay the bills, but is the, do you have one day a week that you say, you know what, let's go to a meeting, a PTA meeting, let us see what the community is doing. What are our elected officials even talking about? I'm Just gonna mm-hmm. go to one meeting a month or a quarter just right. to find out what's happening, you know, in my, what's happening with my tax dollars? Um, you know, what's happening at my local house of worship? Um, And so just taking a step out of that comfort zone um, or that survivability mode and just consider what else is happening. And even when you're in survival mode, you still have more than what someone else may have or you may have an abundance of something where someone else is in need. And even in your survival mode, you may be able to truly be a blessing or a benefit to someone else and be connected to someone who has abundance in areas where you lack. But when we don't connect with one another and we're just on our ground on that hamster wheel, we miss that opportunity to truly live in community. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we, we miss the opportunity to build our community, but we also miss the opportunity to breathe life into our kids. That's right. Right? And so going, right. kind of tying this back around to what does this, what is this really about? It's about, our kids, right? It's about our nieces and nephews. It's it's about who's coming behind us. That's you know, out. where where we are paving a path for them to realize their greatness that sometimes they don't see because they haven't been told, they haven't been exposed. And if we don't pop our head up to start
1: connecting then they're gonna
0: do the same thing that we're doing. Right,
1: right. And I I agree, building the future is is what's so important. And in order to build the future, we have to pour into the youth where they are and help them to find value and validation in who they are, their their unique identities and who they're becoming and those skills that they have that may not be refined yet, but we can see them in the making. Just like one of the teens in our program, I asked her, what does she like to do? And she said, nothing. (laughs) I said, (laughs) okay. And she's 14, she's a ninth grader. I said, well, when you say nothing, what does that mean to you? What Mm -hmm. what does doing nothing look like? Because doing nothing for some is very different from doing nothing for others. she said, "Um, well, doing nothing for me, I like to design things, but not clothes. I don't like to design clothes. So I said, okay, what do you like to design? She said, buildings okay tell me more so she's downloaded different software applications purchased different software applications and she literally designed i've seen a uh she told me about a school that she designed a campus that she designed um communities she's designing buildings and i said have you ever considered being an architect she said no and so I made a few calls and, and she's now connecting with an architect in our community who's actually working on a real project in our community so that she can ask some questions and and really tease this out a bit to find out, is this something she might may see herself doing in the future? And I really believe it's about helping the youth to tap into who they are, who were they created to be? And it's co- small conversations like that, you know, um, I, I d- identifying those seeds that have been planted and figuring out how do we help that to grow? What can we do? Because she already had an interest, but until she finds value or sees the value in her, what she called doing nothing, yes. until she sees value in that, she's not likely to share it or explore it, pursue it, consider studying it because it was nothing in her mind. So I think we have a, a big job to do to help the youth to identify and value those things that they already do. Yeah, yeah, and
0: you know, and I know we're talking about a youth, and, and definitely, I've, I believe that's where the majority of the work is at. But also, I think adults, we, we have adults out there who don't realize what their purpose is because they've been in survival mode for so long. And so, just like this young lady, she's drawing and she's doing this and, and having fun with it, obviously, and she views it as nothing and possibly that right and possibly that could be because no one has edified her and her ability to do this thing or possibly the the other side of it where someone else has called it nothing you know and and i think as we look at adults who have had a very different life than kind of what we're in right now you know in this digital age that was probably more true back then than then it is a lot of times now because of survival mode that minority communities lived in, you know, and, and as you were talking about survival mode, I, I definitely started thinking about that survival mode is a part of our history, right? It's a part of legitimately our race's survival. You know, you gotta get out there, you gotta go make some money because we gotta sustain the family. Family was, you know, five, seven, sometimes up to, you know, 12, 15 kids, right? Because you needed hands to work in that that field as you share crop. And what was the first thing to go? It was education because education can't feed you, at least that was the mindset, right? The, uh-huh. it, can, it can't feed you, but what can, is you working this field and, and making sure that we can convert that to, to cash, to, to cash right. right. you know? And so I, I say all of that to say that, you know, we have a lot of adults that are still in this space of not realizing what their own purpose is and those innate abilities that I believe that God gave us when we came out the
1: womb. Right, right. And I, I think to your point of the history, um which is so important i think that we began to see things as either or either you're going to survive or you're just not going to have you're going to be broke you're, you know you're busted you're not going to have to pay your bills you're going to be irresponsible you know it was not that you could do what you pur- what you were purposed to do right. and do it in a way where you can make money and provide for yourself your family it was like either or Um, and I think that, you know, helping people to see that it doesn't have to be either, or you can take the same business acumen and the skills that you apply working for someone else and Mm -hmm. figure out how do I use that for me, whether it means becoming an entrepreneur or if it's a shift in your career where your career is one that really aligns with your purpose and your gifts and Mm -hmm. your talents. I've met so many people who are in careers that they hate because they never took the time to really unpack how would I make money doing the Mm -hmm. thing that I enjoy doing? Where would those jobs be? Where are those relationships, um, those connections, the networks? And I think that that's another reason why I'm so drawn to the work of empowering the youth because as I'm able to help them to uncover who they are, uncover their purpose early in life, They're able to ask those questions. They're able to be connected with different industry professionals. They're able to see themselves in those jobs and in those career fields or running their own company. And we're not now at 35 trying to figure out how to pivot our career because we spent, you know, the past, you know, 17 years, 18, whatever, trying to fit into a mold that was never our mold. Right. And so I'm really drawn to the work of helping the youth to do that and helping them to see themselves where they really want to see themselves, no matter how ridiculous is the wrong word, but no matter how out of bounds it may sound. Because mm-hmm. I also recognize it's out of the box. Out oh. of the box. It's totally out of the box. What they're they're looking at me like Dr. Tim, what box? What they don't even see the box, right? Right. And I think helping them to be able to explore that because truly building the future. We don't know what that future looks like, and so the way that their minds are processing things, the ideas that they have may be exactly what's needed for something that's beyond my own lifetime.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that. They they don't even see the box. Like, yeah, box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and when you put that in perspective, you know if. And we always talk about think outside the box, think outside the box. And that comes from education, right? Which I believe is the doorway to changing a legacy uh, because that education becomes knowledge and that knowledge begins to strengthen that family to change uh, decisions that are being made in places and spaces that you find yourself, right? And, um, you know, and, and, and I'll come back to this, but bottom line, if the kids can't see the box, then, how, how do they even address where they're going, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because that boxer is kind of that social norm. And uh, no matter how much you, you hate social norms, it's a part of our society. And you have the haves, quote unquote, and the have nots, quote unquote, right? And, and for too long, uh, I, I think minorities have been in this have not spot because of this survival mode you know so you have to be able to kind of see what those norms are and how to how to figure out how to change that narrative for yourself and for your family in order to get to that next step in in your legacy as as a family right and then as a people as a whole
1: you know and I like to add to that one of the things about working with the young people is it really challenges my perspective daily <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a conservative home um, how we view the world um, an affluent background it, education being first and foremost formal education my grandfather had a doctorate degree a PhD in math my grandmother had a master's of science master of library science degree I mean education was like right every, number one <laughs> number one and what I'm learning from the young people to the point of the, what box Um, I'm learning that because they don't see the box, they don't even see, they don't see the limitations. They don't see what's in, what's okay, what's not okay. They just are, whether it be their identity, whether it be what careers, what jobs, what I love is because they don't see the box, they don't feel that pressure of, well, I just can't do. Mm. The other side of that though, is I have an incredible job to make sure that I expose them to so many possibilities because there is no box, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that I have to become a doctor, a teacher, an attorney, or an engineer. It's I can become whatever I want to (laughs) become, but what are those things that I can become? Right? So it's, it's the flip side of of the box. And um, Mm -hmm. I enjoy those conversations with them because they're creating jobs in their minds that they're talking about that don't exist today. But I'm like, I could, I could absolutely see how that would be, you know, something that's needed, you know, in the future. And so Mm -hmm. they're, they're designing, they're designing their future, which is so encouraging and challenging at the same time, because I'm trying to equip the next generation for things that I wouldn't have been equipped for because the world has evolved. And so it forces, yes, it forces me into a, a, a place of discomfort, but a good, it's good discomfort. You know, (laughs) it's healthy tension to make sure that they're getting what they need. That's
0: awesome. And I think the name of your youth program is The Answer, correct?
1: Yes, so we have a teen program named The Answer. And we are so excited with those students, they're teenagers, and we remind them that they truly are the answer to the challenges of the world today and Mm -hmm. of the future. And we are counting on them. I tell them all the time, I am counting on you um, to be able to really respond in a meaningful way to the challenges that this world has, um, that I believe will be solved with these future generations. Wow, I, I appreciate you
0: taking the time to kind of be that mirror for the youth in your program. Um, and, and probably even youth that you don't realize that you're you're connecting with and influencing because if we think about how networks work, you know, and people, you know, think about social media, right? That's why right. social media is such a hit because I'm connected to this one, this one's connected to that one, and therefore now we flourish, right? And and we we're connecting to somebody in Africa and don't even know it, right? You know, so I appreciate you being that mirror and helping kids see their value right see a future that's not yet plotted and their ability to influence that future
1: yes well i appreciate you for uh, allowing me the space and the time to share things that i think are meaningful to me and that would resonate with with the audience also and perhaps compel them to consider what more can i do how can i serve it doesn't even require having a lot of money or a lot of time all it is is a, a mindset that you want to help to position the future generations and positively impact the community where you live, work, and play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I want to hit on that community where you live, work, and play, because again, and, and we keep going back to this survival mode because it's true, right? It's it's a fact of life as we look at a lot of our um, urban and rural communities. It is survival. You know, I have to get out there, I have to work, I have to make enough money to make ends meet, you know, and, and I don't have many choices uh, for myself. But, I, you know, I think a huge thing that, that we take for granted is going back to reflection. But the other piece of that is what I call the human superpower is the ability to change your perspective, right? And so as we think about changing perspective, in changing our community or at least influencing it in a positive manner our perspective has a lot to do with it and so i kind of want to kind of turn it over to you dr worthy uh to to talk to us about why perspective is so important in this space of reflection
1: yes i think perspective i think that the um perspective is really important because with with perspective, you're able to better define or make better decisions. So I'll, I'll say it this way. Consider, um, you and I talked previously about using the house as a metaphor, and I really enjoy that. Um, if you consider a house, And this is your, the house that you live in, you're considering relocating because now you've got the job that you've always wanted. You've got the bag you've always wanted. You've got the money, you've got the car, you've set up this lifestyle and now the house doesn't really fit because you have uh, achieved and amassed certain things. And um, often when people get to that point, they decide they wanna move to communities that have more amenities. And they wanna move out where they may be in the majority and they end up moving to communities where they're no longer the majority, but oh my goodness, the amenities that are in that community that aren't in the community um, that they were, that they're positioned in. And so I said, you know, I look at that scenario, and consider, you know, another perspective. What if the perspective is, yes, I've, a, I've gotten the job I've wanted. I've got the designer things I've wanted. I have got the car that I wanted. I have everything that I want. I have discretionary time. I have discretionary money. Instead of abandoning this community and moving someplace where everything is ready-made, mm-hmm. I'm gonna take that time and energy and effort and, and resources. And I'm going to invest it in my community. I'm going to volunteer at the PTA. I'm going to go to my uh, local meetings. I'm going to run for political office. Doesn't mean you have to quit your job. It's just a part-time thing. Um, I'm gonna serve on a local board. I'm going to do things in my community since I am well positioned, since I am comfortable. I'm going to meet unmet needs. And so it's through just that shift in perspective that could make such a world of difference in that community if more people do that, what if the conversations shift where uh, neighbors are saying, you know what, why don't we run for office together? Or why don't, we, you know what, let's go to the PTA meeting together. Mm. Let's figure out why things are broken in certain places and let's solve it in our community right. instead of abandoning the community and going someplace where it's already built, it wasn't built for you, but it's already built, it's already in place, the structures are there. Um, and now you just continue to kind of chill and what have you. So it's just, a different perspective. And I just encourage people to consider what is their current perspective? Mm -hmm. And if they were to shift their perspective, what could that look like for them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, so I I wanna pull on this string just a little bit. I I think that's that's good advice, a good word. and, And I truly believe that more people need to do that. However, I will not uh not anybody who decides to move from a community uh to give their family uh different opportunities whether that be better schools because as we know uh a lot of the times you cannot go to a school out of your district unless you are paying for a private school or something like that right which may be too far of a reach um, but you have the means to be in a different district, different area to provide a better school, provide more stability. Um, and, and let's be real, in a lot of our minority communities, it's plagued with violence, right? If we if we think about the lower socioeconomic type communities, there are things there that a lot of people who have put in the work, Right, who have, um, you know, gone and, and learned a, a, at some institution, whether it's vocational or, or something else, but they have that education under their belt, they're right. looking for new opportunities for them and their family. So I'll never knock them for that. But what, what what I would love to see is kind of that other side of what you're talking about. Don't just leave the community and cut ties give back right like come back be a part of the solution for that community be be that inspiration for other people to continue to push and learn and grow and then give your money right give your time give your space for other people Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's the alternative of not necessarily staying in the community even though i'm a firm believer that it's easier to change a an organization or a community being within versus being external to it okay
1: so yeah. and i love that that's just again you know looking at things with the both and we can do both and right. not being so uh, polar, you know, either you're in or you're out. <laughs> it's right. like, no, you could do both, you know, live in your passion or go get the bag. No, you can do both. Like mm-hmm. there are opportunities where uh, we can do both. And I, I think that's that's great advice and a wonderful perspective that you may leave for whatever reason you leave, mm-hmm. um, but you're able to still, you know, pay it forward uh, uh, or give back to that community. Yeah.
0: And some of that again goes back to perspective, right? So, so shifting that mindset um, instead of in this world that, that we know that we are constantly influenced by immediacy. And, you know, we want to see things change, but we don't have the patience or the time to stay there and, and help it change, you know, but this is just another way to still be a part of that influence, positive influence into our communities that really need it.
1: Right. And I think, you know, sometimes just taking a step back and thinking about whatever it is we're trying to accomplish and thinking about the realities, the harsh realities of The challenges that would have to be overcome the barriers that have to move um and being patient with ourselves and being patient with our community to be able to make things happen Uh, and wait for those not wait in terms of don't do anything wait in terms of actively pursuing over time and you're waiting because you have to get certain things done over time i think about i used to travel a lot for work and i literally watched a community it was a city um, in South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina. I watched their airport go from this very small airport. I don't even know if they were doing TSA checks. I mean, it was like just a small airport. Um, there was nothing to eat there. There was no coffee shop. I mean, oh it was goodness. like, you just go there to get on the plane like, and that's it yeah and over a period of about five or six years they built these additional terminals chick-fil-a was there they had a coffee house there they had a restaurant and a sports bar and more runways i mean and it was an expansive project and i used to go there quarterly and so watching it over a period of about five or six years i learned that you know these wonderful things that we're trying to do in our communities that we're trying to build these projects that we're undertaking take time and we're talking about an airport in a community where i'm sure they had the funding and the support and they had the local officials like everybody's swimming along with the same sheet of music and (laughs) they had the green light but just to build out an airport with all these different terminals it literally took time so if we have patience for the next chick-fil-a to come surely we can have patience with ourselves and our communities as we're trying to build and rebuild and be able to go over these barriers and obstacles and against sometimes what other uh, forces have in mind for our communities. And so if we're able to organize and we're able to achieve you know, vector force and get aligned, we'll be able to make the progress, but we do have to have, have the patience. It's not gonna happen overnight, maybe quicker to just move to another community. But, but if you truly are committed to seeing a community evolve, um, digging in and being part of that work, can be so meaningful. Absolutely.
0: You know, a- as you were describing the airport, literally my mind shifted to people and how we change our legacy, change our narrative, change our story, right? Because as we as we think about building our community, it's not just this um, you know, this arbitrary, shapeless thing, right? It, it's, it's not, not nebulous. This, right it, it, it's not just the infrastructure that we're talking about but it starts with the foundation and the foundation are the people right That's and great. so again if if we can have the patience for a chick-fil-a <laughs> or for all of these amenities to come into the community what kind of amenities can we add to ourselves, the value, the, the education, the knowledge that we can add to ourselves to be able to build our families, right? <laughs> and therefore sustain our communities even once the actual physical infrastructure gets there. You know, so, I don't know, as you were talking, it was just this vision that was, <laughs> that, uh, that kind of started shaping in my mind. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. That's amazing, right? Because that's how you
1: change a, change a family's name. That's how you change the right. Change the legacy. And you change the legacy by changing the vision. Oh, yes. You know, the vision for that family. Which starts with perspective. It all goes back to, mm-hmm. you know, to that perspective. Yeah. And with who you're understand- becoming. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go right ahead. Well, I was going to
0: say, and with the understanding that we're all starting at different places.
1: That's right. right. A lot of
0: people talk about meritocracy. Um, obviously over the last two and a half years, there's been a lot of talk about equity and equality, you know, but the realization needs to be there that we don't all start in the same place. And if our measuring stick is based off of the person next to us, we'll always think we're inadequate.
1: That's right. That's right. It's so important to realize where you're starting and then to run your race. I had a colleague come up to me uh, several years ago. I had a birthday gathering and she was like, I just, you know, as I'm here with you, I'm just, I just feel like I'm so behind. I need to catch up. I just need to catch up. You've done this and you've done that and you've done this and you've done that. And I said, well, well, wait a minute. First of all, we're not in competition. It's not, it's not that kind of thing here. I'm running your race, you're running your race, but we're not racing each other. Um, Race just being a journey. And um, I said, but there are things that you've experienced that I didn't experience. There were barriers that you had in your life. I never had to deal with. There were access issues. I mean, I'm very familiar with her life story and she wrote a book about it. I, I didn't, I think I have a book worthy life, but it's a whole different read. My book is different. It's a different book. And so we've had conversations about that over the years where she starts feeling down and for whatever reason, she keeps comparing herself to me. And I said, don't compare yourself to me, compare yourself to who you're supposed to be becoming. Whoever you're becoming, whatever you've been purposed to do, that's the goal. I'm not the goal. (laughs) I've got my own race to run and I'm trying to make sure that I'm living my life in purpose, on purpose, being authentic to who I am. I'm not, I don't even, what are you even doing? Like, I don't even, I'm not i am not following you in that way. I'm not trying to outpace you, I'm, I'm not doing that. And so we've had that conversation a few times and I encourage her and others, you know, to really look at who are you becoming? Other people are becoming who they're supposed to become, but there's room for all of us to evolve and grow and transform into whoever we were uniquely created to be. Wow.
0: And and that's beautiful because I think too often because we live in a society that is a very competitive society. And look, former athlete, still got some athletic, you know, uh, (laughs) I would say, Um, I believe in competition, but I believe in healthy competition, right? But there's a lot of people out there, it's unhealthy because they do believe that they're in a competition or they need to keep up with somebody almost to the point of making themselves sick right and so i i think what's important about what you said and and this goes to the greater society majority right there's room at the table for all of us and there's always been room at the table for all of us but because of our fear of loss of power prestige money whatever it is causes us to put barriers in between people and and at least what we've seen in the past from you know uh, the majority to the black community is is the barrier of not being able to elevate ourselves um, as a whole community right? right Obviously there's been some anomalies there but as a whole community mm-hmm. because it's, there's just been some insidiousness. That has happened um, throughout the years of American history and world history, but that's good Thank, Thank you for that, because I'm going to say again, everybody out there, uh, no matter race, creed, religion, there is room at the table for all of us.
1: It's room. Yes, yes. And if you don't, and you don't even have to sit at the table. Listen, you can get you a blanket and go over and do something else and something different. And the people at the table will be trying to come sit on your blanket. So just, you know, be true to your calling and true to who you're supposed, you know, who you're destined to be. I think it's so important because there's room for all of us to flourish. The world needs all of us and everything isn't for everybody. That's right. And so I think it's just important to recognize that.
0: Absolutely. Diversity matters. Diversity makes us stronger, you know, and in and, and thinking about education, education is in so many different places and spaces right maybe it's vocational maybe it's a, a two-year associates maybe it's a four-year you know right, maybe it's right. an hbcu maybe it's a ivy league you know whatever that looks like for you based off of where you're going that's right purpose in this world is what right. matters not running somebody else's race because exactly <laughs> The accolades, or whatever you know, everybody has right. the different reasons as to why they do things, right? Right, right. No, that's good. Good. So I know I've had you here uh, a while now, and and I appreciate such a an our, our organic and authentic conversation with you. But I do wanna to get to just a few questions just to make sure that um, that we cover a few things for Expresso Unicorn. Uh, so here here's a little bit more background um, from what I said in the beginning. So we started our Black Voices podcast back in t- uh, 2022 and that was our first season. And so this is season number two. Uh, And we started it during February, obviously Black History Month. And so again, we're in Black History Month. And so one of our primary questions is to ask our guests, what makes Black History Month important to you? Like, what does
1: Black History Month mean to you? So if you could indulge us. Okay, Um, first I have to say, I love Black History Month. I love Black History Month. Um, And for me, one of the reasons I love it so much is because it is an intentional time of connection and reflection. To me, it's all about connect the dots. Like Black History Month is the whole month to just connect the dots. And by that, I mean connecting um, where you are, where we are as a people and individually, thinking back a generation or two or three, reflecting on the contributions that those who came before us made, thinking about people like Garrett Morgan and the gas mask and the traffic light and thinking about Mary McLeod Bethune and how she started off with this single classroom and look at Bethune-Cookman University today, or looking at the work of Ida B. Wells or George Washington Carver, and think about what they had to overcome to be able to create what they created and how they changed the world. And then you think about where we are today and what it is that we're uniquely gifted to do and how can we use who we are, what we have, um, using our voices to change the world in a meaningful way and to make it better. And so that for me is the heart of Black History Month, really reflecting on uh, where we are, where we've been, and then how we're going to go, how we're going to move forward. Um, And I just think it's so important to have that time. Um, I do celebrate Black History Month 365 days of the year. I cannot (laughs) be contained to a month. And that means supporting Black businesses and Black uh, spaces and amplifying the voices of Black people um, throughout the year, challenging legislation that is not supportive or conducive to black lives all year long i do it all year but the month of february truly is about connecting the dots for me
0: (laughs) hashtag
1: black excellence all right yes
0: (laughs) all right and so one of my final questions for you um because you know people people listen to podcasts in different ways and um they become attentive in in some spaces um you know, earlier or either later. I want to make sure that if we could put, you know, a tagline on on this uh, on this podcast, something that no matter if nothing else is taken away, what's that one thing that you want people to walk away with from this podcast?
1: I think that would be to really to think about who you are and who you're becoming tap into that purpose. Who are you and who are you becoming? Often you have to go all the way back to childhood and figure out, you know, um, what did I wanna be when I I grew up? But figuring that out, what is your purpose? Who are you becoming? And then realizing that everything that you need to be able to achieve that purpose is either within you or it's within reach. Hmm. And I think that those things are most critical because if you tap into who you are, and you already know that you have everything you need to become that, I think that you will be better positioned and compelled to move forward and actually achieving that. So that's what I would want to leave the audience with.
0: Okay. Well, I will tell you that that is an amazing word to leave the audience with. And for <laughs> me too, I'm writing that down. So thank you so much. And from the bottom of my heart as your host today, um, but also from Express Unicorn, Thank you for being our first guest for the 2023 season, our second season. And we just appreciate what you're doing in the community. We appreciate the life that you're breathing into these kids and just for being a pillar in the Black community and in our society to uh, to inspire others uh, to be more and to do more uh, because I believe a our collective effort can move us forward the way that we want to move and you my friend are one of those engines that's moving us forward so i thank you thank you thank you
1: thank you michelle and espresso unicorn for this opportunity to to share and to connect and if you want to continue uh to connect with me please um link in to a tap foundation we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on linkedin That's ATAP Foundation. And you can look me up on LinkedIn also. And I look forward to staying connected and being part of this journey with you. Thank you so much. Amazing. All
0: right. So this is Michelle Pierre for Expresso Unicorn. And we are signing off. And we're so excited that you joined us. And be on the lookout. We'll have more podcasts in the future. And uh, thank you again for being our audience. Take care.
1: Bye-bye.